Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, we are in our study looking at these seven letters to the seven churches. Take your Bible and let's go to Revelation chapter 3 this morning. Revelation chapter 3. And uh, man, wasn't that a good trio? I'm like permanent. You know, you guys should just move up here with your brother and just sing. It'd be fine. Uh, I just, I'm so thankful for how people use their talents and gifts for the Lord and uh, thankful for the encouragement of the song and the special this morning. Well, if you, uh, if you were like me when you grew up, well, wait, when you were being raised, because some of us just didn't grow up. So uh, when you were being raised, I, I don't know if you had this in your mind, but uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you, I mean, in your mind, you just agree with it. You thought your dad or your, your mom or your grandpa, uh, you thought they were like the strongest person alive. Like, I, th- I think that's just about every kid. Uh, not, not everyone has a great relationship. I understand that. But I know in my home, man, I thought my dad was like the strongest person in the world. Uh, from the time I was born and honestly, till the time he died, my dad was literally in my mind, one of the toughest individuals you would ever meet. I remember my dad pastored. We grew up in Greeley, Colorado. He pastored a church in Greeley and Greeley's not necessarily a rough place, but, uh, where our church was, it was kind of in a, in a very rough neighborhood. Uh, there were drug deals and drug busts across the street from our church all the time. There were shady people breaking in the church all the time. Uh, there was a lot of gang violence and different things right there in our, in our property. And so you had the church building, an alley, and then our, our house that we lived in uh, a couple of times in between other rentals and other houses that my parents owned during that time. But I remember one story in particular where my dad was walking. It was super late at night. He was walking home from the church, his office, all the way to the house. It was only, I mean, it was only probably about 300 yards, maybe 250. And, and there was this alleyway in between. And as my dad walked across the alleyway, this car pulled up right in front of him. And, and uh, hey, are you, the, are you the pastor here? Are you the man that runs this church? And, and my dad, it's like 2 a.m., 1 a.m. in the morning. My dad's like, yeah, that's me. And this fella starts talking to my dad and kind of giving him this, his, his sob story, you know, here's my story and here's what I need from you and here's how the church needs to help me and telling my dad all this. And, and then that fella had the door open. My dad's here, door's open here. And, and that fella was like, well, let me show you something. And he went to like reach into the car door. Dad was on this side. He went to reach in on the car door and my dad looked in and he saw a weapon. The guy was reaching for something and he, my dad knew I'm about to get jumped. And dad just pushed the door shut on the guy's arm. <laughs> and the guy's in the thing. My dad's just holding the door shut. And he's like, no, buddy, I don't want to see anything that you have in there. And you're not going to, you know, he starts telling this guy, like, you have messed with the wrong dude, you know, and my dad's holding that thing. I can imagine that guy sitting there like, man, come on, let me go. I was just going to, you know, and dad's talking. And eventually uh, one of our maintenance guys that lived on the property heard the commotion, came out, they called the cops. And of course the guy, he got arrested and, and all of that. I remember my dad sharing that story with me. I, my dad's stories were unbelievable. I'm like, dad, that didn't happen. He's like, no, it did. The cops who went to our church were like, no, it did. I was there last night. It happened, you know? And I, that just kind of solidified 
My dad is the strongest person I know. But then I grew up and I became a dad. And I realized every dad has a superpower. It's called dad strength. If you, if you had a dad growing up, you know what I'm talking. If you are a dad, you know what I'm talking about. Super, it's just, it's dad strength. And I, I tell my kids all the time, we'll be wrestling, doing something. And I've told them, you know, they know they'll do something. They'll like try to pin me or something. And, and I look at them and I say, don't make me turn it on. They go, turn what on, dad? Don't make me turn on dad strength. Because every parent knows there's like this thing built in you. Moms, you have it too. I remember arm wrestling my mom when I was 14 years old. I'm like, mom, I'm gonna beat you at arm wrestling. My mom said, we're gonna do it left-handed. I was like, okay. And then she just like got this. <laughs> put our arm up and you know what my mom did? <laughs> and I was like, ah, I haven't arm wrestled my mom since. I wouldn't dare do it. Mom, you're still, you still got the strength. Don't worry. Man, it's, there's something about a parent's strength. Right, if your children are in danger, parents, you know, there's like a 30 second window where I will turn into a superhero and you do not wanna come across me. As we come to Revelation chapter number three and our sixth church that we're studying, you may believe that your parents had great strength and maybe they did. My dad was a tough dude. But today we're going to look at this and it's the title of the message today that no strength is like God's strength. There is no strength like God's strength. I just wanna start the entire message off by saying this statement. You have a God who is all powerful and holds all strength. And I don't know what your week has been like, and I don't know what your coming week is like, and I don't know what frustrations you're going through. I don't know what discouragements you have. Moms, I don't know how the week has been at home if you've raised the kids and you have these headaches. Dad, I don't know about work and the stress that you've carried, but here's what I just want you to know. And if you, if you miss everything else today, just leave encouraged with this principle that you have a God in heaven who has all authority and all strength, and he makes himself available to you. And this morning, what we're going to do is we look at the church at Philadelphia, we are going to see that message being given to this church. If you were to go to study out the town of Philadelphia, Philadelphia was about 28 miles southeast of the town of Sardis. We saw Sardis last week in our message. Philadelphia was established um, probably around the 200 BCs by a man, I uh, got his name here, the man who started the city uh, was uh, Attalus II. Attalus II, he was a, a leader in the Greek, the Greek world. His nickname was uh, Philadelphos. He started this nation, this city, when Greece ruled the world. The, the purpose of the city of Philadelphia, and, and now listen, stay with me because we're gonna get into context. We're gonna get into what went on in the city and the history of it because remember, if you've been with us in our study, Every time the Lord through John introduces himself to the church that he's speaking to, he gives himself a different title every time. So here's my title. And he says, these things saith, and he gives himself a title. But then he closes out the letter every time with some promises about salvation for that church specifically. Now, the reason we need to keep that in mind is because he addressed himself, gave himself a name. He concluded his letters 
these ways because he was connecting with that church and their history, what happened to them. So here's what we need to know about Philadelphia. Philadelphia's location was a strategic location. Uh, Philadelphos, or that Greek leader, they started Philadelphia in order to be a, um, a launching point for all cultural things for Greece. It was when the Greeks ruled the world and everything cultural, they wanted Philadelphia to be a launching point to, to, um, to help all of the other cultures and all of the other cities know Greek culture and adopt Greek culture. Well, it very quickly grew. It very quickly became a main thoroughfare that people in the area would travel through. But in 17 BC, something happened in Philadelphia because of its location. Philadelphia is actually built upon a fault line for major earthquakes. So Philadelphia constantly would have tremors and earthquakes, but in 17 BC, Philadelphia had an earthquake that annihilated the entire city. It, it, took, it, it hurt uh, Philadelphia and 10 other cities, one of them being Sardis, that many of these cities were just ruined, but Philadelphia took the brunt of this earthquake. And because of that, many people from Philadelphia, they moved out of the city and they wouldn't move back in. Well, the emperor at that time, he came to the city of Philadelphia and Philadelphia was a prosperous city and it was known as the, uh, the gateway to the east because from Philadelphia, you would get to all the other cities out east. And so it was a strategic location. So that, that emperor came and he said to the people of Philadelphia, and wouldn't this be nice? You don't have to pay taxes for five years so that you can rebuild. Hmm. Just thinking about politics in our country and how many of you would like not paying taxes for five years? All right, sold. I don't care who's running. I'll vote for that guy. You know, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, you know what? The, the emperor came in and he said, hey, no taxes for five years. Here's why. I want to draw you back into the city. Move back into Philadelphia. Build the city back up. Get this city. It's, it's our gateway to the east. Get this city going again. Fast forward about 50, 60 years. So roughly 20 years, 30 years before this letter is written. Philadelphia was known as a, the, the grape capital of the area. They were known for their vineyards. One of the most uh, sought after gods or worshiped gods was the god Dionysius. You wanna know what the English term for that one is? Dennis, just so you know. That's right, I am named after the god of wine. That is Dionysius. Uh, I don't know. Never mind. I'm not even going to say, we're not, we're not even going to go down that road. Well, because of being known for the vineyards and all of that, their popularity, I mean, now they've rebuilt, we're, we're 70, 80 years past the, uh, the, the earthquakes. And what happened is Domination is the emperor at this time. And Domination began to be jealous of the fact that Philadelphia was producing better wine, more wine, and gaining more financial profit from the wine than his own vineyards. So what did Domination do? He sent his troops to Philadelphia. Now, this is important. Stay with me. He sent his troops to Philadelphia, and he wiped out all of their vineyards, tore them all up, and he began to rule the people with just a, a fist, a strong fist, with uh, the iron hand, if you will. 
Well, what that did is it began to take all the other cities around to look at Philadelphia as like, oh, you're the city that the, the emperor hates. So, so here's Philadelphia, this city who's been through an earthquake, this city who's seen as the gateway to the east, and yet now people aren't really living there because they've moved out of town. The emperor doesn't like you. Do you get a sense that the people in Philadelphia were probably an insecure people? You're on a fault line, so at any day, the earthquake could happen again and you could lose everything. The emperor hates you. All these things are kind of going against you. It is to that church that God writes the letter that we're about to look at. And so I want you to take your Bible, if you would, and let's go to Revelation chapter three, and let's jump down to verse number seven. Revelation chapter three and verse number seven. And we're gonna read these words, Revelation three, seven. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he who has or hath the, the key of David, he that openeth or opens and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it. For you have little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and to worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept the word of my patience. I also will keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them who dwell on the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no man take your crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. This message to Philadelphia is a great message of encouragement. It's a message basically that is saying the theme of the day, that there is no strength like God's strength. It's a message they needed to hear and a message that I needed to hear. And I believe today that it'll be a help to you. So let's pray and then we'll dive into our study this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you take just a minute and in your own heart, would you pray? And would you ask the Lord to speak to you today? Would you commit to the Lord that you're gonna listen to him today and hear from him today? And then today, would you just ask the Lord, God, whatever it is that you wanna speak to me, God, I give you permission to do it. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your care for us. And God, I wanna come before you and I wanna pray right now that you would help us as we dive into this passage. I pray, God, that you would help us to be able to connect with this church at Philadelphia, to hear from your spirit. 
Lord, that you would give us not only ears to hear, but a heart to listen and a life to respond. And God, I pray for those who are with us maybe online, Lord, that you'd help them, help everyone who's in-house today. God, I pray that you'd just speak to us and that you would help us as we look through your word this morning, that you would give us the challenge that you want us to have. And then, Lord... I do pray if there is someone that's here that does not know you as Savior, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust completely in you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. With many of the churches that we've been studying, um, when the Lord has come to them, he's come to them with some correction. Uh, Thinking about the church at Ephesus, you have left your first love. Thinking about the believers at Pergamos or Thyatira or Sardis, he called them out for sin that was in their life. But Philadelphia, like the believers at Smyrna, uh, the Lord did not correct anything. He did not call them out on anything. As a matter of fact, I believe the believers at Smyrna, they were undergoing great persecution. The Lord they knew they needed encouragement. I think the believers, by the course of the, the context, I think we could, we could uh, um, assume this, that I believe the believers at Philadelphia, they were undergoing some great discouragement. They were discouraged in the season of life that they were in, and they were frustrated about everything that was maybe not going the way they thought it should be going. And so the Lord brought an encouragement to them. And man, again, I don't know where you are, but I know that if you're like me, discouragement can very quickly climb up on your shoulder and begin telling you some lies that you believe. And all too often, we believe the voice of discouragement over the voice of truth uh, more often than not. And so this morning, here's what I want to do. I really just want the message. We have a a challenge at the end, but I I really want the opening part and the the first 80% of the message today to, to just encourage you. And here's what I want to encourage you in. No matter what you go through, you have a God whose strength is like no other and a God whose strength is offered to you. And I want you to learn some things about God's strength with me this morning. I see first off from this passage that God's strength is incomparable. God's strength is incomparable. I want you, if you would, to look at verse number seven. All right, verse number seven. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things saith he that is holy. All right, now we're seeing these titles of the Lord. This is really cool. The word holy right here, it means sacred, pure, or morally blameless. So here's who's writing to you, church at Philadelphia, the one who is morally blameless, completely holy. Now, why would that connect with them? Because their leader in government had just annihilated all their vineyards. He was not morally blameless. He was one that he was in it for his own gain. And here's what the Lord says to the people of Philadelphia. Hey, I'm not writing to you like him. I am writing to you from a place of complete moral blamelessness. I am holy. And then he says, from he that is true. The word true right here, to be truthful or to be genuine. The Lord writes to the people and he says, hey, I'm not hiding ulterior motives here. You see, Domination, your leader was hiding ulterior motives. The synagogue, they hide ulterior motives. The Greek gods, they hide ulterior motives. I'm writing to you as he that is morally upright and the person who is genuine. And then he says, and the one who holds the key of David. 
This is a reference to a number of places in scripture, but probably more specifically, Isaiah chapter number 22. The one who would hold the key of David would be the Messiah that whose, whose uh, heritage would join back all the way to David. And so the Jews would connect with this. The one who holds the keys of David is the king. But then all the Greeks would, would, would uh, um, relate to it because of the phrase, he who holds the key. If you were here in our Christmas series about the names of Jesus, how many of you remember the chicken keys, the chicken leg keys? Anybody remember that when I asked for some keys and someone threw me a chicken leg key ring? Uh, chicken wing, yeah, chicken wing key ring. And we talked that day about this, that the person who holds the, if you weren't here, you're like, what are they talking about? Sorry, you missed it. Uh, I'm just kidding, you can go back and watch it. Uh, the, the person who holds the key holds the authority. So what is the Lord saying to these believers in Philadelphia? Hey, I am writing to you from the place of the fact that I am morally blameless. I am completely genuine and I have full authority. You know, God is helping them understand I have full authority and I have full power. Hey, your emperor may think he's pulling the strings. He's not. Hey, you may have a leader that says that they're real and treating you well. They're not. I am the only one. What is the Lord helping them understand as he opens up this letter? I believe God is helping them understand that God's strength compares to no one else. Jesus is helping them see, I do not compare to the false gods. I have straighter strength, straighter strength, greater strength. Whew, I have greater strength than them. The Lord is saying, I don't compare to the religious leaders, those who have the power to shut you out of the temple or to shut you out of your, those false religions, to shut you out of the guild. Hey, I am coming to you as somebody whose strength is completely incomparable. And can I just help you and help me understand and be encouraged this morning that if you follow the God of the Bible and if Jesus Christ is in your life, your God's strength is not compared to anybody else. There is no one who can stand against your God and just as God would write to the believers at Philadelphia, I am the one with full authority and I am the one with full power. I am the one who is morally blameless and I am the one who is true and genuine. Your God can say the very same thing to you and you have a promise and I have a promise today that my God's strength is incomparable. Notice the second thing that God tells us. God helps them understand that God's strength is shattering. What is that? There is no one who can stand against God. Notice verse eight and verse number nine. Verse number eight says this. I know your works. There should be an R on there. That's on me, misspelled it. I apologize. I know your works. All right, so what is he saying? I know the actions of your life. And here's what I wanna tell you. Behold, I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it. Hey, there are, there are opposing forces, Church of Philadelphia, that they want to annihilate you and they want to shut you up. We'll look more at this uh, thought in just a minute. Hey, they can't do it. And here's what I see when I look at you, Church of Philadelphia. You have little strength. We'll see more about that in this. It means to be weak or to be humble. Uh, you have kept my word. It means to obey and follow God's word closely. And you have not denied my name. It means to be faithful to the name and the testimony to be associated with Jesus. Lord looks down and he says, hey, I know your heart. I know who you are. Notice verse nine. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews 
and are not but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. We already know this if you've been studying the series with us, but the believers in early Christianity, they did not have it like you and I have it. Today, you got up, Many of you got up, you got dressed, maybe you went and got a cup of coffee on your way or you made one at home. Uh, You probably saw, maybe saw somebody you knew, saw a a neighbor today and waved at them and, and you got in your car and you had no fear to drive to a place that said church on it. No fear to do it because of the freedom we have in our country to freely worship. They did not have that freedom. Oh, they could freely gather but they were going to be scorned. They were going to be ridiculed. They were going to be mocked. They were going to be, we've seen this already, shut out of the synagogue. That means to be pushed out from their culture. Many of the, those who were uh, Greek or Roman, you know, for them, they couldn't be in the guild. They couldn't be in the union and they couldn't, serve, they couldn't get jobs well. Why? Just simply for being a Christian. If you were a Christian and you were known as a Christian, mark it down. In most of these cities, persecution was going to follow you. And unfortunately, that persecution was from a lot of the religious people. So follow this. You have the synagogue of the Jews people who are Hebrew, they claim to follow Jehovah God, but they denied Jesus as Messiah. So if anybody claimed Jesus as Messiah, we saw this last week, you would get pushed out of your synagogue. You would get your name blotted out. You no longer are welcome here. You know what God does in this verse, what Jesus says about that synagogue? He says, hey, they think they're teaming up with me, but they've denied me. Here's what I label them as, the synagogue of Satan. (laughs) Hey, believer at Philadelphia, you may have been pushed out from then thinking that they follow me. They don't follow me, they lie. They actually are followers of Satan because they have denied the Messiahship of Jesus. And here's the promise that God makes to them and stick with it. Behold, There is coming a day when I will make them to worship near your feet, at your feet, and they will know that I have loved you. Well, what's the Lord saying? He's telling them there is coming a day when you will be vindicated. There is coming a day when they will know that you were right and they were wrong. Now, here's what's interesting to me about that. Do you think the Lord is like telling them this so they can be like, yeah, we're right, you're wrong, (laughs) ha, ha, ha. I don't think the Lord is doing that. No, the Lord is helping them understand. Verse number seven, I just told you, if I open a door, no one will shut it. And if I shut a door, no one will open it. You are with people that have shut you out of the synagogue. I just wanna tell you, there is coming a day that you will be vindicated and people will know that what you believed was 100% true. And they will know that the God of heaven loved you. No one can stand against his strength. His strength is shattering Everything falls before it. I think of uh, Jeremiah chapter number 23, verse number 29. It says, this is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. The truth is that in the end, they will know that your powerful God was real. 
Again, we don't live in a culture where we're really persecuted for what we believe, but I know that in here, there are some of you that you have undergone some hurt and some ridicule. You have undergone maybe some, uh, um, some mockery because of being a follower of Jesus. And there's some of you in here, and I know, I know the story to be true. I won't call them names or anything, but you, there's some family of yours that have said, hey, I deny you. I don't want you in my life anymore because you have that Jesus stuff that you believe. And, and all of that, and teenagers at school who take a stand for the Lord might get called names. Can I just tell you and ask you this question? Are you willing to bear criticism and rejection in the moment, knowing that one day we too will be vindicated? Hey, there is coming a day, the Lord has promised this, there is coming a day that every knee will Will bow and every tongue will confess that he is God. And you are, you've already done that. So there's coming a day when someone's going to say, you know what? They were right. Now that's not why we serve the Lord, but it is an encouragement. It is encouraging to know that God's strength cannot be stood against. I see this morning that his strength is shattering. There is no one that can stand against him. But I want you to see thirdly that God's strength brings safety. God's strength brings safety. Verse number 10, here's what we read. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation or the hour of trial, which shall come upon all the world to try or to test them who dwell on the earth. In these verses, the Lord through Jesus is speaking through John prophetically. These verses actually connect to Revelation chapter six, verse, uh, chapter six through chapters number 19. And here's what the Bible teaches. And many of you know this, that at any moment, there's a thing called the rapture to be caught up, harpazo is the Greek word, uh, raptizo is the Latin word, to be raptured, to be caught up. At any moment, the Bible teaches that believers, those who know Jesus, are going to be caught away. And here's what the Lord is saying to this church and to all believers, I will protect you from the coming judgment. I'm going to catch you away because following that is going to be a judgment, a tribulation period. And we'll talk about that in just a minute, but the Lord is simply saying this, I will protect you from the time of judgment. Here's the verses I referred to in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, which are alive, who are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord." The Bible teaches that that trumpet is gonna sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and then believers will be caught up with him, raptured with him. And then there's going to start three and a half years of peace and then three and a half years of complete judgment. And here's what God is saying to these believers that as they look forward to the coming, as they look at their situation, here's what God says to them. My strength brings you safety. Because you are in me, you will not undergo judgment. Because you are in me, you do not need to fear a judgment that is coming. I'm glad to know today that God's strength brings me safety. What is this? Hey, this is safety from tribulation. Believer, you will not have to go through the tribulation. We believe the Bible teaches that. 
Your judgment, your judgment was done on the cross. And because of that, you are not going to be in the tribulation. You're not going to go to hell. You're not going to have the Lord against you. Why does that take place? Because of God's authority and God's power, because you are safe in his strength. And while that's encouraging for the future, I want you to know that God wants to be your strength and wants to provide safety for you now. I mean, think about all of these verses in the Old Testament. I think of Psalm 36 and verse number seven. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Psalm 46, one, God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Man, God wants to help you and strengthen you now. He wants to provide safety now. I think of Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you, the Lord says. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hey, God not only provides safety through his strength in a future of coming judgment, but right now, if you feel, man, you feel burdened down, you feel beat down by the world and the cares of this life, you know what God says to you? Hey, lean into my strength because I will keep you safe. What else do we see this morning? I see that God, his, his strength, it is incomparable. His strength is shattering. No one can stand against it. His strength brings safety. But also today, God's strength brings security. Not only am I safe in him, but I'm secure in him. I love this verse. Look at verse number 12. <clears throat> We've seen this phrase already, him that overcometh. All right, who is the person that overcomes? 1 John 5, 5, he who overcomes. Uh, who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So it's talking about people who know Jesus as savior. If you know Jesus as savior, you are an overcomer. Here's the promise to you, super cool. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And notice the phrase, he shall go out no more. We're gonna stop there just for a second. Okay, remember what has happened to the people of Philadelphia. An earthquake has recently decimated the town. And if you go, you, all of them would know about pillars. They would know that a pillar, a pillar of course, would represent some things to them. Uh, number one, a pillar held up a temple. Now, a temple represented this. A temple represented worship. A temple represented belonging. A temple represented community. And a temple, it represented security. All right? Now, remember, many of those believers, they had been cast out or separated from their temple, pushed out. So here's what the Lord says. If you've believed in me, I will make you like a pillar in my temple and you will not go out anymore. You're never gonna be shut out. But a temple also, the pillar was this. A pillar represented stability. A pillar represented, it was the strength of the temple. A pillar was one that if a person was honored in a temple, your name would be engraved on the pillar as if to say, you are part of this for all of eternity. Here's what the Lord says in those verses that we read just a minute ago in verse number uh, 12. 
To the saved, I say this, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. What is that? It is a place of permanence. Hey, believer, you are secure in him. You have a place of belonging to him. But then notice the second verse, the second part of the verse. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. How many of you remember uh, Toy Story? Remember Toy Story? Man, the movie Toy Story, one of the like most important things that could happen to a toy is to get your owner's name written on your foot, right? Remember Woody's talking and Buzz is all there. He's new and, and uh, man, he wants to come in believing that he is the actual Buzz Lightyear and uh, Woody, you are a toy, you know, and trying to help him see that. And then, and then the, the Bo Peep reminds him, says, hey, Woody, Woody, remember Andy wrote his name on you. And so now it's like, yeah, I've got Andy's name on me. And remember it was a huge day when Buzz Lightyear, like, he got in that greatness. Remember the day when he held up his foot and he's like, it seems that your master has written his name upon me, you know? Hey, I know it's a cartoon, but the, the principle is the same throughout all of history. To have, to have someone's name written upon you, to write your name on something, here's what it teaches, permanence and ownership. Here's what the Lord says to them. I'm gonna, key, I'm gonna make you as a pillar in my temple. Hey, listen, if you are in me, you are forever secure. And just to take it one step further, my name is written upon you. And catch the last part of verse number 12 when it says this, I will write upon you my new name. Did you know that there is a name of God that has not been revealed to us, that is written upon your life? The Bible says that when Jesus comes uh, to show his force in Revelation, I think chapter 16 or 17, it says that written upon him will be a new name which no man knows. Can I tell you this morning, God says to you, I will write upon you my name. That is God claiming you. You, have made, you may have been rejected by the Jews and you have been rejected by Greeks and Romans and you're culture and you've been rejected by the union. You've been pushed out of those temples. Hey, my friend, if you believe in me, you have a place of permanence in my temple. You will go out no more. And I claim you, I don't care what anybody else says, my name is written upon you. I don't know if, if that helps you this morning, but Dennis Fountain needs that help every now and then. Because unfortunately, Dennis Fountain allows the devil to climb up on, on his shoulder and to say, hey, you're nothing. Hey, Dennis, you're worthless. Hey, what you're doing doesn't matter. Here's what God says to the believers at Philadelphia and what God says to you and what God says to me. I claim you. I claim you, you will never go out. No one can ever deny it. No one can ever say, and there's coming a day you will be vindicated and people know that I loved you. They will know that I, you were speaking truth. They will know that they cannot stand against me and my strength is shattering. Can I just encourage you this morning, my friend, if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, that God is your God and his strength has not changed. You are permanent, you are secure, and you are claimed in our all-powerful, full-authority God. God. Man, I don't know about you, but that just does my heart good. Because this world beats you up. 
and your own mind beats you up. And God says, I won't beat you up, I claim you. Man, God's strength, his strength brings that security. What a, what a blessing to know that God's name is on those who belong to him. <clears throat> we see this morning that God's strength, it's incomparable, it's shattering. It brings safety and it brings security, but here's the last thought today. God's strength is provided for you. I skipped a couple verses if you were paying attention. We skipped verse 11. All right, let's go back to verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. All right, that connects to the judgment that is coming. What's he saying? Hey, time is short. So here's my challenge, Church of Philadelphia. Hold fast to what you have, that no man take your crown. Okay, wait, hold fast to what we have. Hold fast to what you have. What, what is he saying? The word hold, phrase hold fast, it means to remain firm or to be steadfast, to be steady in what you have. Okay, well, what did they already have? Go back to verse eight. I know your works. Here's what you have. I have set a door before, an open door. I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it. For you have, here's what you have. You have little strength. You have kept my word and you have not denied my name. So the Lord says to them, hey, believers of Philadelphia, here's what I know you have. You have little strength. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. Now hold fast to that which you have. Hold fast to that. Stand firm in that. Okay, well, where's the lesson? What is that? Three things. You have little strength. The word little strength, the phrase little strength, it means weakness. It basically is like weakness coupled with humility. Hey, believers at Philadelphia, he's not calling, he's not, in this, God's not like, hey, you're weaklings. <laughs> Strengthen up, go to the gym, work out a little bit more. That's not what the Lord's saying. No, you have little strength. Hey, you get it. What do they get? You get that you can't do it. You're humble before me. You're weak before me. You have little strength. Stay there, stay humble. Number two, you have kept his word. You are remaining close to his word. You are following his word. You are obeying his word. You are applying his word. Hey, stay there. Number three, you have not denied my name. Hey, you publicly claim me. When people talk about me, you are unafraid to be labeled with Jesus, even though it may cost you. You do not deny me in word or in action. Why does the Lord say these things to them? Well, two reasons. Verse 11, behold, I come quickly. Time is short. So stay there, stay humble, stay close to me, stay faithful to me. But then also verse eight, when he says the words, behold, I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it. In context, that phrase, they would connect it to four passages in the New Testament. At this time, most of the believers would have much of scripture. Many of the letters that we read uh, in our New Testament today, they would know. 
These believers would connect it to four times. Acts chapter number 14, Paul said there was an open, or there was a, uh, an open door for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. First uh, Corinthians, Paul said that there was an open door to preach the gospel at Ephesus. Second Corinthians chapter two, there was an open door to preach the gospel in Troas. Colossians chapter number four, there was an open door to preach the gospel and to evangelize the world. The phrase, there is an open door for you, means there is an open opportunity for you to reach people and glorify God. And here's what God said to the believers at Philadelphia. Before you is an open door, an open door for the gospel, an open door to glorify me, and no one can shut it. I will keep it open. Believer, Christian in 2024, I want you to know that this world is against you. Because the devil, the adversary, is the God of this world. The thinking, the philosophies, the culture, it is anti-God. And that can beat you down. And you can have a day where you just, I don't want to go on, man. What's the point? I mean, seriously, what's the point of all that? What's the point? What's the point of doing that? What's the point of following through? What's the point of going to church? What's the point of worship? What's the point? What's the point? Here's what God says. Hey, listen, I wanna remind you, Church of Philadelphia, I have all strength. There is a point. I am the strong God. Now, here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Hold firm in what you are doing. Remain humble before me. Keep my word. Keep walking with me. Here's what God is helping them understand. My strength is what you need to lean in. Your right, Church of Philadelphia. You can't do it. You can't keep going. You can't stay faithful. You can't keep doing this. But my strength is the strength that you need. And I would say the same thing to the church at Moses Lake in 2024. Behold, before you, God has set an open door. We have an open door in our community. We have an open door in our culture like no culture before us. Here's why. You have the opportunity. I have the opportunity to speak about God and glorify God on social media platforms. And we meet people and we get around and transportation is increased and people fly and drive. And this week, you will probably see more people in one week than most of them would see in one year because of the community. And unless they lived in a metropolitan area like a Philadelphia. Many Christians didn't know the world exists. They didn't know everything going on. Here's what God said to them. There's an open door to reach people. There's an open door to glorify people. I would tell you as we come into our 13th year as Moses Lake Baptist Church, hey, there is an open door of opportunity to reach people. So, so what, pastor? So don't quit. Hold firm. Hold fast to what you have. Hold fast to humility. Hold fast to a close relationship with God. Hold fast to faithfulness and, and not denying the word of the Lord. Here's what God is helping them understand. God's strength enabled them to continue for the Lord and the same is true for you. So my question today is this, will you hear? Verse 13, who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hey, this has been the same thing to every church. I'm not just writing this for the believers at Philadelphia. I'm writing it to every believer that ever reads this. Will you hear, will you listen, and will you apply? Christian, I want to tell you the same thing that I want to tell me. I want everyone to hear me and listen, and we're almost done, and we'll, we'll wrap up. This world needs you to be a Christian 
that is humble before God, close with God and faithful to God. But you can't do it on your own. And God says you don't have to. And this week you can wake up and you can say, God, I need your strength to be right at work with people. God, I need your strength as a stay-at-home mom. God, I need your strength with my wife and my marriage. God, I need your strength with work. God, I need your strength today at school. Lord, I just need you. There's humility. God, teach me to walk with you. There's closeness in relationship. God, when people ridicule me, God, when opportunity comes, I will be faithful to claim your name. You know what God says? I will empower you every single time because it's not your strength that's going to accomplish anything. It is an open door that God says, if you walk through, I promise I will help you through that. And no one's going to shut that door. In a very real sense, the challenge to the church at Philadelphia is the same challenge that goes to the church today. God has set before you open doors of opportunity. If he opens the door, may God help us to be faithful to walk through the door. But the whole time we keep walking through doors, we need to keep leaning into his strength. And you will choose every day if you live in your strength or if you live in God's strength. And so today I wanna to encourage you with this. Live in his strength. How? Remain humble, remain close, remain faithful. Humble, humility, closeness in relationship, faithful to his name. When you do that, you know what God says? Hey, now we can get somewhere. <laughs> because now you're leaning into me, not into you. But maybe this morning you're here and the reason you don't have God's strength in your life is because you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. I would ask every single person to think about that question. Do you know Jesus as your personal savior? I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. Do you know Jesus as your personal savior? If you're here this morning, God not only wants to give you his strength, but it starts with salvation. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus today, the Bible says if you will call on him, humbling yourself, admitting your sin, believing that Jesus died on the cross and rose from you, the scripture says that you will be saved. If you are here and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life today, choose him. If you have chosen him, will you make the decision today, God, I'm not gonna lean on my strength. I'm gonna stay humble. I'm gonna stay close to you and be faithful to you. And Lord, I recognize that as I follow you, your strength will help me each and every day. May we learn with the Church of Philadelphia, there is no strength like God's strength.